All right, nobody's really paying attention to this in the United States. Full disclosure, I honestly wasn't paying attention to this either until I was. But there is a radical leftist movement that is sweeping through Latin America right now. They just had presidential elections in Colombia, and they elected a communist, a, a so far left. And I, I'm not just talking about communist in the pejorative way that we use that term to, to basically associate anyone on the left with communist or Marxist principles, even if they don't officially identify like that. No, no, this guy, Gustavo Petro, is an actual communist. He was a part of a, a terror group, a communist terror group called M19. He's, he's a narco-terrorist, really. And he ran a campaign against a populist. And they, they ran on this backdrop in Colombia, this, this, this backdrop of economic devastation caused essentially by, by government policies about COVID-19, lockdowns and disrupted supply chains, and you know exactly what we're dealing with here in the United States. That was the backdrop. And they both ran addressing people, the population's concerns about jobs and healthcare and poverty and you know this, this downturn in the economy. The interesting part was Gustavo Petro ran as with with a with an openly communist platform he said he was going to read uh he wanted to run on redistribution of wealth he ran on um not oil he said he doesn't want to be an oil rich country he wants to run on climate change and his opponent who he defeated ran on this platform of populism saying you know I'm going to be anti-corruption anti-communist and we we sort of see that that same sort of competition playing out right here in the United States. It's anti-communist, anti-corruption wing. And it's the Republican Party here, here in the United States versus the communists, which are on the left. Here in the United States, I'd like to think that the Republicans, the anti-communist, anti-corruption wing is winning. But maybe what we're seeing in Colombia actually tells us something different because um, what happens in Latin America is oftentimes oftentimes a result of what's happening here in the United States. And this isn't just an isolated incident, this communist being elected in Colombia. It's actually a symptom of a much, much deeper problem, not just in that area of the world, but here in the United States as well. So let's dig into this. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Now, did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain? It can cause mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity. And if you sleep less than six to seven hours per night, that is linked to reduced white blood cell count. I don't need to tell you that white blood cells are important. They protect your body against illness and disease. They fight virus, bacteria, and more. Not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is so important. Well, the good news is a better tomorrow starts tonight. Introducing to you Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today you get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called their Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients. It's triple lab tested, no THC, and you wake up refreshed. 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream, and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. All you do is you just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir it, and enjoy 30 minutes before bedtime, and you will find out why so many people, including the world's top athletes like Danica Patrick and Baker Mayfield, rave about this product. If you don't love it, you can get your money back guaranteed. For a limited time, you can get $20 off when you go to beamorganics.com Liz. If you use my promo code Liz at checkout, it is B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz, beamorganics.com slash Liz, and use my promo code Liz, L-I-Z, at checkout for $20 off. You need a better night's sleep to function in this crazy world. Try Beam Dream, beamorganics.com slash Liz, promo code Liz for $20 off at checkout. 
Okay, before we get into Colombia and why this is important, even though this is this is a very big deal in Colombia, but why so many people in the United States are ignoring it, but they 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 shouldn't be ignoring it. None of us should be ignoring it. We should be watching this very closely. Before we talk about all of that, I would like to say that a prediction that I made a couple of weeks ago has come to fruition. And this actually does not give me any joy because it was a prediction that I wish I was wrong about. I said at the time, I hope I'm wrong. But when President Trump endorsed Dr. Oz for Senate in Pennsylvania, that was very disappointing because Dr. Oz is not only is he a rhino, not only is he a squish, he has promoted the transition or the transing of children. On his show, he used to talk about it all the time. He is not pro-life. He, he actually belittled pro-lifers and the idea that, uh, that a, a heartbeat in, in, an, in a baby six weeks in utero is actually a heartbeat. Um, he talked about the importance of abortion. And then all of a sudden, he's running for Senate. He decides he wants to be a Republican and he pretends that he holds all these views that we know, we've heard him, he's, he's been a celebrity for a long time, we know that he doesn't hold these views. And even if he changed his mind, you know, I just don't trust him. I just don't trust that he's going to be a stalwart ally of conservative principles, a defender of the Constitution and the Senate. Well, of course, he, he, he won the primary. His, his Republican opponent conceded that a month, about a month ago. And what does Dr. Oz do? Literally the day of the primary, what word does he never say again? He has not tweeted this. He has not used this name in a speech. He has not spoken the name of Trump. In fact, he's erased President Trump's name, an image, an endorsement from his website since the primary happened. He used Donald Trump to convince the voters in Pennsylvania to choose him in the primary. And then as soon as he won that primary, bam, President Trump was out of there. Now, I know some people are saying, well, you know, in, in a primary, you appeal to you appeal to the more um, the more ideological part of the party. And then once you win a primary, since you have to appeal to both Republicans and Democrats and you come to the center. No, absolutely not. I reject that strategy in this day and age. You are either, you are either a Marxist leftist in this day and age, or you are an anti-communist, pro-freedom, conservative defender of the constitution and stop trying to be nonpartisan. There's no such thing as, as a nonpartisan compromise when principles are on the line. It's like what we're seeing with gun control. When, um, when John Cornyn says, well, this is the nature of compromise. There's some things in this gun control bill that I like and some things that I don't like, but that's what compromise is. I absolutely reject that premise when what is on the negotiating table are fundamental rights then there's, there's no virtue in compromise. There's, there's no good that can come in giving, giving the left some things that they want and giving the right some things that they want when what the left wants are your rights to be violated. So that's the same thing that we're seeing here in Pennsylvania with Dr. Oz. I don't, I don't want to see him come to the center. I don't want to see him to try to appeal to Democrats using the strategy of giving Democrats what they want. You appeal to Democrats by saying, this is what you care about. You care about inflation, you care about gas prices, you care about a shortage of baby formula, you care about jobs, you care about the economy, you care about national security, you care about your First Amendment right to free speech, your freedom of religion. These are the things you care about. And let me tell you how limited government, conservative values and our constitution help enable you to live the life that you want for you and your family. That's how you appeal to Democrats. You don't become a Democrat or pretend to become a Democrat in order to win their votes. So it gives me no pleasure to say that I was right about Dr. Rawls already. He's already distancing himself from President Trump and from the conservative principles that President Trump holds. But, you know, celebrities, what are they if they are not frauds? Another celebrity who is a fraud, and this we've known for a long time, Megan Rapino, 
who is the, who was, I should say, I think this is past tense. She's on her way to retirement now. She was the star of the U.S. women's soccer team. She was, she's the one with the pink hair, the one who was behind all the equal pay nonsense and the kneeling, the kneeling during the national anthem. She made U.S. women's soccer political instead of just playing soccer. Um, she is on her way to retirement right now. And, in, you know, there are glowing there were glowing um, interviews that are being conducted, these profiles that are being published about her. And this one made me laugh because she was asked about the idea of transgender athletes. Now, if, if you've watched a men's soccer game and then you watch a women's soccer game, it almost seems like two different sports because soccer is such an inherently physical sport that you see how much bigger and stronger and faster men are compared to women. Now, I like women's soccer. I not only enjoy playing it, I, I enjoy watching it. I don't mean this with any disrespect to women's soccer, but it's very, very different because the physiology, the biology of male and female are maybe of all the sports um, most obvious in a, in a soccer game. So Megan Rapinoe is on her way to retirement. She's asked about transgender athletes, which should be a pretty big threat to, um, to women's soccer. And this is what she responds. She says, I think people also need to understand that sports is not the most important thing in life, right? Life is the most important thing in life. And so much of this trans inclusion argument has been put through the extremely tiny lens of elite sports. Like that is not the way we need to be framing this question. We're talking about kids. We're talking about people's lives, she says. We're talking about the entire state government coming down on one child in some states, three children in some states. They're committing suicide because they're being told they're gross and different and evil and sinful and they can't play sports with their friends that they grew up with, not to mention trying to take away healthcare. I think it's monstrous. Now, it's almost impossible for me not to debunk her and fact check her here. So in it, so please indulge me for a moment, um, not to mention trying to take away healthcare. What a euphemism. What is Megan Rapinoe talking about there? She's talking about not allowing children to take um, gen, to take to take cross-sex hormones, puberty blocking hormones that chemis, chemically castrate little boys that irreversibly harm the, the development of, of a young woman's, a little girl's fertility. This is what she's talking about, healthcare, healthcare. Maybe some states that are saying, well, you can't actually perform a gender, a bodily mutilating surgery to trans a child until they're over 18. A parent cannot, um, cannot allow their child to do that. It's against the law. That's what she's talking about when she says healthcare. So gross, gross way to be euphemistic about this. But that's actually not the point that I'm trying to make. I just can't resist debunking this when it comes to the protection of children. She says this, Rupino says, so we need to really kind of take a step back and get a grip on what we're really talking about here because people's lives are at risk. Kids' lives are at risk with the rates of suicide, the rates of depression and negative mental health and drug abuse. We're putting everything through, God forbid, a trans person be successful in sports, get a grip on reality and take a step back. Okay, so also we know that the suicide rate of children who are trans and not even all the way to surgery, just puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones actually increases by 14% if they have access to these hormones compared to children who don't have access. So let's debunk that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Megan Rapinoe and the U.S. women's soccer team actually played a, a full soccer game against a U15. That means boys under 15, team of boys. And this was several years ago. And they lost. These grown women, these professional athletes, these, these women soccer players lost to just barely teenage boys. And when I saw this, I laughed because I thought, okay, girl, you're on your way to retirement. You are not going to suffer the ramifications of this because you've already had your career. But if you journey back and you implement this, 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 oh, let's allow, let's allow biological males who just identify as female to play soccer, you wouldn't even have a career. You wouldn't be a professional women's soccer player because you are the best of the best and a 15-year-old boy is better than you. A 15-year-old boy is better than you. 
Um, these celebrities, as we know, are absolute frauds. And it's worse than just being a fraud themselves because what they are pushing for impacts you and your family. It impacts my daughter. I mean, I'm very protective of women's sports because I hope that my daughter follows in my footsteps and plays, you know, soccer or plays basketball or swims on the swim team. And if she's swimming and playing soccer or basketball against biological males, then really what's the point? She will either be physically harmed or just deprived of opportunities to to achieve success because boys are so much bigger and stronger and faster than she is. But what's happening in Colombia today is extremely important and not something that a lot of people are talking about. Now, two things that are really important to me online are safety and privacy. That's why I like Incogni. Thousands of companies are collecting, aggregating, and trading your personal data without you knowing anything about it. Creepy, right? Well, the good news is you have the right to request data brokers to delete what information they have about you and therefore protect your privacy. The bad news is it would take you years to do this manually. The best news is Incogni can do the messy work for you automatically. Incogni helps you protect your privacy and take your personal data off the market by reaching out to data brokers on your behalf and requesting your personal data removal and then dealing with these brokers' objections. Now, most often these data brokers hold not only your name, but your email address, your home address, your phone number, the names of your relatives, I told you it was creepy, your social security number, your employment history, your shopping habits, you need Incogni. I love it and I know you will too. The first 100 people to use my URL, it's incogni.com slash Liz Wheeler and use my promo code Liz Wheeler, get 20% off of Incogni. Protect your privacy today. Go to incogni.com slash Liz Wheeler and use code Liz Wheeler to take your personal data off the market. Today's video is sponsored by Incogni. Okay, so down in Colombia, a communist by the name of Gustavo Petro won the presidential election, and he's openly communist. He wants to spread the wealth around. He wants to use the government to make everyone equally as miserable, to essentially take private property away from people who have earned it and give it to other people who haven't earned it. The hallmark of a, of a socialist and a communist, he wants to prioritize climate change. And what's funny is um, the, the backdrop of what's happening in Colombia is the government's fault, right? Um, these politicians oftentimes like to blame the economic devastation that we're facing, whether it's inflation, whether it's the job market, gas prices. They like to blame this on the pandemic. The once in a century pandemic is the favorite phrase of the Biden administration right now. But it wasn't the virus itself, the pathogen that caused these economic problems. It was the government policies, the lockdowns and well, the lockdowns, really, <laughs> the lockdowns and the mandates that that caused the economic devastation. It wasn't the virus that told us we had to close our businesses down. It wasn't the virus that said six feet, you have to separate six feet and you have to put plexiglass up and your restaurant's going to be going to have to close because we can't have people taking their masks off around each other. This was all government induced. These policies that were that were forced on us by the radical left were created this situation where people are so desperate in the in these economic situations that we're in that the entire competition for the president of this country came down to who's going to best address people's people's um, lack of a job and the fact that that wages are are rising, but slower than inflation. So actually, your paycheck is shrinking and gas prices are so expensive that it's that it's that it's awful. That is awful. So this is the backdrop. And it's it's really striking, I think, to see um, that a, a problem that was created by the left, meaning the economic the economic devastation that we're in, which is a result of the policies, the COVID policies by the left, created a situation that basically invites communists to succeed. And so this is this is the backdrop. In addition to that, 
the, the social climate of Latin America was traditionally very Catholic. It, these, these were all Catholic nations from Mexico to Argentina to Peru to, to Chile to Colombia. These are, these are very Catholic nations. And socially, that, that, that carried over into social issues, whether it was abortion, whether it was gay marriage, whether it was euthanasia. But in recent history, this Catholicism, at least at the state level in these governments, has been supplanted by, by radical leftism. Radical leftism. It's almost like it's almost like what's happening in in Colombia right now is the inverse of the American century that they are that they are they are turning back um, the the developments that we have achieved and that we've exported around the world and and going backwards and, and Venezuela is a perfect example of that and we'll get to that in a minute but this this feminism that the left has been preaching to us in the United States for decades has seeped into Latin America. Um, abortion has become legal in nations like Mexico and Argentina and Colombia. Gay marriage has become legal in Chile. Uh, euthanasia is is legal in Colombia. And so you see this you see this radical leftism, this ideology seeping into a place that for a long time had a a a, a social fabric that was Catholic, that was conservative. Colombia actually was one of our primary conservative allies in Latin America, and all of a sudden. All of a sudden, we see someone elected down there who's to the left of Joe Biden, or at least to the left of where Joe Biden tells us that he is, but maybe not to the left of the people that Joe Biden surrounds himself um, with. And this guy, Gustavo Petro, not only was he part of this terror organization, um, what, what's happening in Colombia and the fact that he is now the president, that he says, you know what, we don't want to happen to us in Colombia what happened to Venezuela. And he falsely blames what happened in Venezuela on um, the fact that he says Venezuela relied on oil. And what happens when you rely on oil is the devastation you see in Venezuela. And, you know, I read this, I hear him say this, and I think, okay, do you really think the Colombian people are that stupid that they look at Venezuela and think, oh yeah, oil was the problem. It's not Maduro, the socialist dictator who tried to control prices, who tried to enrich himself and his friends and, you know, redistribute wealth and confiscate private property and ruin ruin their constitutional protections. None of that was the problem. It was was the oil. It was the fossil fuels, guys. Um, This is what's so funny about the radical left in our country and abroad is they think we're so stupid that they can blame all problems, usually that stem from radical leftist, Marxist, socialist, communist ideology on fossil fuels. This is why their favorite cry is climate change. And this is what Gustavo Petro is doing too. He says, we want in Colombia to pivot away from having an oil-centric economy to one that, that, that focuses on climate change. And this obviously is an enormous red flag um, but it's actually more sinister than just, oh, wow, this radical leftist got elected in Colombia because it, it shows us what disarray American foreign policy is and what that means. And when I say, when I say it, it, it's a reflection of American foreign policy, we have, to, we have to kind of back up or zoom out for a second because think about Ronald Reagan and how he described America's influence, not necessarily the, the actual political alliances that we have with other countries, but just our existence as um, as the world superpower, but the world superpower that that is so because we've embraced liberty. He called us the shining city on the hill. Well, what does that mean? So this phrase shining city on a hill um, reflects really the influence that the United States has, this, this, this liberty-centric influence um, and, and how it impacts countries around the world. In, in 
and we we saw the impact of that because other nations around the world followed our lead. We the world became the freest the world has ever been in the wake of the United States leading the way. I mean, part of it was the industrial revolution where we had free market capitalistic principles that impacted countries all around the world. I mean, and and obviously this isn't just prosperity in the economic sense that's that's an intangible thing this also lifted people out of poverty it increased the quality of healthcare it increased the quality of education it 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 helped people it raised people up this was an incredible influence that couldn't have been done had we the united states not been the leader here and that that particularly filtered down to central and south america to latin america where where our our principles of freedom were were what were followed the the american century and what's happening now, if we look at what's happening now, whether it was first in Venezuela, whether it's in Brazil, or it's very clearly happening right now in Colombia, Latin America is still following the lead of the United States. But the lead of the United States, the principles that we're leading with, aren't the principles of free market capitalism and prosperity that helps lift people up by embracing individual rights. It, it's Marxism. We in the United States are doing all of these awful things. We are embracing revisionist history with the 1619 Project. We're embracing racial division, racialized Marxism, really, with critical race theory. We embraced the Black Lives Matter movement. We, we to a certain extent, embraced Antifa. The Antifa riots were barely condemned by the left. Um, they really secretly or not so secretly appreciated these assaults on our government institutions, on our cultural mores, um, we have, we're doing these, these, these Marxist things in our country, at least the left is, and the left is in charge of our government institutions and in charge of many of our cultural institutions. So it seems to the world that these are the principles being embraced by the United States. We are still, for better or for worse, the world's example that they follow. The difference is we here in the United States have recourse when our politicians, when, when Biden or Gavin Newsom or Kathy Hochul or Gretchen Whitmer, whoever it may be, Governor Cuomo, when these people overstep their authority, when they embrace policies that are antithetical to our constitution, or they just hurt us, they're just bad, unwise policies, we can vote them out. We have, we have recourse. We also have this, this balance of power in our, in our three separate but equal branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial, where if one person in one branch oversteps the other, the other two are supposed to balance it out. These other countries in Latin America do not have the brilliant governmental setup that we do. And so the repercussions of embracing Marxism, embracing racial division, embracing equity and diversity and inclusion and climate change, that's going to hurt them a lot more. And not just their governments, not just their, their intangible you know, numbers on a column, their GDP, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt the people. It's going to hurt the people. I mean, we saw that even with the, with the COVID-19 economic policies, in Colombia alone, 12 million people lost enough wealth that it, it was essentially like 12 million people got kicked out of the middle class. And they're now, they're now low income or in, in poverty. And why? Not because of the virus, because, these, because of these governmental policies. So we have checks in our political system. They don't, and they are following the United States for better or for worse. And right now, the leadership in the United States is for worse. It's, it's, we are projecting this, this, this leadership of Marxism around the world. And I mean, we can, we can zoom out even further, actually, and look at World War II. We, we don't have the luxury, and I know that this is somewhat of a, of a fad among conservatives, at least a certain sect of conservatives right now, um, to promote an isolationist foreign policy, because we'd love the idea of not ever having to get involved with wars. We'd love the idea of just keeping to ourselves, not sending money to other people, not, not, not getting involved in other people's business. 
we actually, that's actually unrealistic. We actually don't have the luxury of doing that. We're all opposed to a 20-year war, which is what we saw in Afghanistan, where all of our money and the lives of our military service members are on the line here. But that didn't have to be an endless war where we spent as much money. We could have um, decisively emerged victorious from the Afghanistan war. It was politicians who wrecked that up. It wasn't getting involved in the first place. There's also many other things that you can and should do um, from a foreign policy standpoint before you get involved militarily. And this has been completely lost in, well, among politicians, among among the leaders of our country. The, the choice that they've given us is this false choice between isolationism, don't spend money, don't spend lives, mind your own business, let other people do what they want to do and we'll do what we want to do versus, or you have to topple regimes and nation build and stay there forever and become the world's policeman. These are the choices that we've been given in foreign policy. And it's a completely false choice. It's it's not only it won't work, it it's it's stupid and it makes situations worse. And we, we've lost sight of this in just a very short amount of time. I mean, less than 100 years after World War II is where we are right now. But after World War II, we had this understanding that we cannot let communism fester in our backyard. We cannot let Latin America become a breeding ground for communists. And we, we understood the value that Latin America has when it comes to containing poisonous ideologies. Because remember, um, we might not be imperialists here in the United States, but communists are. Communists, of course, are imperialists. Socialists are imperialists. We're actually getting a reminder of that with uh, Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. We, because we have developed or evolved past this 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 imperialist um, part of our history, we thought, oh well, I guess everyone has. You know, boundaries are boundaries, and we're all set. Well, no, communists never agreed to that. Communists still want to expand and take over the world. And so that's that's when I say, well, we don't have the luxury of being isolationists in the purely isolationist term, because right now what we have is we have communists that are essentially pitching their tents in our backyard, and they have a strategy to take over Latin America. And as far as I can tell, we here in the United States don't. We have abandoned the idea of foreign policy because we don't want to get into endless wars. And it's it's a it's a false choice. Our foreign policy, at least under the Biden administration, is essentially like, well, let's just take down our border walls. Let's be welcoming. Let's let's not even protect the American people. Let's not even have a home policy, let alone a foreign policy. And so the result of that is, of course, the communists are going to take over in, in Latin America first because nobody else is leading. We're, the United States is not is not leading these nations towards freedom. Um, and, you know, we, we can see what happens when, um, when foreign nations become destabilized, it, it does impact our way of life. I mean, look at what happened in Russia, look at what happened in China with COVID, you know, our, our supply chains are reliant on these foreign nations. So the idea that we can somehow be isolationist, we actually aren't, we can't be isolated because we aren't economically isolated from these people. So we do have to, we do have to, um, we have to have a foreign policy that recognizes reality here. And the history of foreign policy, if you'll indulge me on this point for a moment too, is is really, really interesting. Now, I like cozy earth sheets because they address a problem many of us have. So let me ask you a question. How did you sleep last night? Now, if you answered this question, not so great or just okay, or do not ask. Well, you're not alone, my friends. One out of every three Americans reports being sleep deprived and your sheets could be part of the problem. That's why I like cozy earth sheets. The wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. The solution, 
cozy earth sheets. They are the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud, which makes sense because they're made from bamboo, which allows cozy earth sheets to breathe so that you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. Cozy Earth even offers a 100-night sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on it, wash it, try it out. If you're not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund. Our audience, you can now receive 35% on Cozy Earth. You can save 35% on Cozy Earth Bamboo Bedding. 35%, that's a great deal. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You do have to hurry, this offer ends soon. It's CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5 cozyearth.com slash Liz35. Okay, so if, if, if you look at the history of foreign policy, it, it is almost laughable to see the stark contrast between foreign policy that enabled the United States to be the world superpower versus what Biden is offering us now. I call it the falling off the bike foreign policy of Biden. So you had Teddy Roosevelt, right? And his foreign policy was speak softly and carry a big stick. Um, you had Ronald Reagan, who was peace through strength or this policy of containment. It's actually very similar in that sense to, to Teddy Roosevelt, that you, that you have all this superpower in order to deter, in order to deter people from, from attacking you or from trying to be imperialists where they know you have interests. And then, and then there was a, uh, an evolution when it came to Obama, right? He went on his apology tour. He tried to put America in her place, thinking that that would I have no idea what he intended. Maybe he intended to destabilize us, but he said he, you know, he wanted America to be a, a co-driver of the world instead of the world's superpower. Just the weakest, spindliest foreign policy, um, least masculine foreign policy that you can possibly imagine. And then, of course, well, Biden outdoes that. He uh, he wants to speak softly, maybe mumble and carry no stick. And that's where we are right now. And what's happening in Latin America has actually already happened in China. In China. And this has been entirely ignored because Africa is Africa and people often don't pay attention to what's happening happening in Africa. But China has almost entirely colonized Africa. They came in and they offered all of these, all of these African warlords, these African government leaders, legitimate and not, they offered them money and they said, hey, if you if you allow us to basically run your society, we'll give you all this money. We'll build you, we'll build you mansions, we'll build you palaces. And the Africans were like, no, okay. And so now China has this this uh, this incredible foothold in all over Africa, which is in, I don't have to tell you entirely a strategic um, a strategic place for China to be, because the, because these African government officials were willing to sell their soul. It shows us communists are imperialists. Communists have an agenda outside of their own country. It's not just a matter of oh respect China because even if you think what they're doing is bad or evil, it's their right to do with their people what they want to do. Or if their people don't like it, they can overthrow their government. Blah blah blah. No no. Communists always want more. Communists always want to take over. And if we don't see this happening in Africa and recognize it, then how can we recognize it when it's happening in Latin America and it's happening right before our eyes? So the question then is, what exactly are we going to do about this? The, the way that the Bush administration, the Bush doctrine was clearly wrong. We don't, we don't need to topple governments and, 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 and try to nation build and install puppet dictators that, that answer, I guess, at least ostensibly to Washington, D.C. That obviously doesn't work. What we need to do is we need to play that same game. We need to recognize that that the middle ground between isolationism and military intervention that's actually influence is economic policy. There, there's, this, there's this idea in our country right now that economic policy is not tied. It's completely separate from foreign policy. And it's, that's bananas. That's total BS. Um, we should use our economy as foreign policy. We should do the same thing. We should throw money around in a way that makes people loyal to us. That's not imperialism. That's influence. 
Imperialism is when you want to take over a country and you want to subjugate its people. You want to conquer its land. But using economic policy as foreign policy in a way that prevents us from ever having to go to war, but also insulates us um, from, from powers around the world, communist influence that does want to take over in the imperialistic sense of these nations, that just makes sense. And yet, our leaders in our government, even on both sides of the aisle, this is not just a this is not just me criticizing Democrats. This is a criticism of Republicans, most of them too. Who's talking about this? Who embraces this idea? This who recognizes that where our food comes from, where our products are produced, matters. I mean, you you can you can take this to its logical conclusion and say, okay, the foreign policy implication of these economic of these of, of these economic policies is actually critical to our national security. How can we build a fighter jet if another country has control over the supply of computer chips? That means we're relying on another nation for something that's critical to keep our nation safe. Of course, economic policy is foreign policy. And maybe the reason that we got to where we are right now, this, this, this flirtation with total isolationism, which is unrealistic, maybe we got here thanks to this proliferation of libertarian ideas that's been kind of pervasive in our, in, among conservatives for the past 20, 30, 40, even 50 years. It's becoming more so as we as a country culturally move away from religion and this idea of objective truth, even on the conservative side, we don't want to recognize that there are things that are sinful, that are things that are objectively wrong. There are things that you shouldn't do. We just want everyone to mind their own business. And we want to, we want to pursue our pleasures. We want to live a little hedonistic as long as, hedonistically, as long as it doesn't violate someone else's rights. This, this embrace of libertarian ideas is a, is a mirror image of this embrace of isolationism. And it is just not realistic. We don't have the luxury of this. And no, it does not mean endless wars. People, people might not care about what's happening in Africa for better or for worse. We probably should, but it's, a, it's far away. It's, it's far removed from what the news covers. It's far removed from what we see on a daily basis. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a, that's a whole different topic for a whole different show. Why don't we care about what's going on in Africa? But Latin America can and should. It, 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 it hits closer to home. It's our backyard. It's, it's right here. We ought to care about whether communists are imperialistically taking over Latin American countries, especially Colombia. Colombia, our conservative ally in Latin America. The only politician, by the way, let me go back. Let me circle back to that, not to, not to sound like Jen Psaki. The only politician that I have heard talking about what's happening in Colombia and talking about it as it relates to foreign policy is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who actually condemned Colombia electing a communist. And I just want to say for on, on behalf of the people of Florida, we watched the election results down in Columbia, and we have a lot of great Colombian Americans here in our state who were very concerned uh, about what was going on. And I think the results of that election were, have been very, very troubling uh, for people that believe in freedom in the Western Hemisphere uh, to elect a, a former narco terrorist and a Marxist uh, to, to lead Colombia is going to be disastrous. And so we've stood with the people uh, here in Florida that have ties to Colombia. We've had a great relationship with Colombia as a state. Uh, we were all hoping that the outcome would be different, uh, but we've got a problem in the Western Hemisphere 
uh, with Marxism and totalitarianism uh, really spreading. I mean, we thought, you know, 25 years ago, the Cold War and all this stuff, and it just keeps rearing its head. Uh, so uh, we'll continue to stand uh, with the people uh, of Florida here who are passionate about freedom in the Western Hemisphere, particularly in Colombia, uh, but, but very, very disappointing and very, very troubling result in that election. Okay, so not only do I love to hear this in and of itself, this is also really interesting because one of the things about Ron DeSantis, I know a lot of conservatives are like, oh, DeSantis 2024, he's the one that should, um, that Trump should pass the torch to. But one of the things that we don't know about DeSantis, we don't really know much about his foreign policy philosophy because he's the governor of a state and governors of states don't, don't typically have the foreign policy experience or they, they, don't, they, they don't really have foreign policy the same way that you do in Congress or the same way that you do in the executive branch. And so we don't really know what, what Ron DeSantis' foreign policy is, but this gives us just a tiny peek into, into maybe his mindset when it comes to foreign policy. And I know it's a one, it's a one minute, it's a one minute summary of what he thinks about this one situation, but he's correct about what he says, that this is dangerous, that it is the proliferation of communism in the Western hemisphere again, and that that's dangerous, um, not just for the people of Colombia and the people in Florida who are tied to Colombia that he's relating to, but also to our country. And so we, we, we have to care about this. We have to ask, okay, well, first it was Venezuela, then you know now it's, now it's Colombia. What about Brazil? Brazil is facing the exact same thing. They're facing an election where they can elect a radical leftist or they can elect someone who's not quite as, as radical of a leftist. What are they going to do? And we here in the United States have to decide, we have to discuss, we have to debate what role do we as a nation want to play in the world? What do we want our leadership to be? What are we leading other people towards? Are we leading other people towards liberty or are we leading other people towards other nations, towards Marxism? Are we exporting good through our policies, domestic policies, or are we exporting evil when we embrace Marxist policies here at home? And are we going to protect ourselves as well as these other peoples, but are we going to protect ourselves and our families from global communism, or are we going to, through permissive social policies here in the United States, are we going to encourage other countries nearby in our backyard, like Colombia, to embrace it? Head on over to locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. We're going to talk about Stephen Colbert and Adam Schiff and the insurrection that happened at the Capitol, the insurrection that Adam Schiff is not at all interested in talking about. Well, let me tell you, we are interested in talking about it. LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. If you use my promo code, it's access. You can watch for free for the first month of your annual subscription. That's LizWheelerShow.com slash locals, promo code access. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.